It's the Holy Hour Podcast, the bi-weekly all-cure podcast, that is. Welcome, and I hope everyone's doing well out there. I'm Gavin. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we're still stewing in it over here. The Cure just played their five shows in Sydney at the Opera House. Legendary Opera House, I must say. And um, where they honored 30 years since the release of their epic masterpiece, Disintegration. It's been a lot of disintegration talk, but it never gets old. And uh, we, we feel like we couldn't roll this show along without addressing what happened out there in Australia, the wonderful land of Oz. And uh, we hope everybody, first off, that went and traveled to the show made it back safe. And for all the Australians that may not have had to travel quite as far, I hope they still made it back safe as well. And everybody had a great time. As a guy that was sitting on his ass over here in the U.S. and not able to go to Australia... um, it sure looked fun. It really looked like a great time for me, and um, and I feel like uh, the shows look went as a success, as far as I could tell. Um, there were clips floating around as they unfurled slowly in the pairings. They did two shows on the twenty fourth, twenty fifth, I believe it was. Then had off twenty sixth. Then we had twenty seven, twenty eight. Had off the 29th. and then we all got to watch. At various times of the day the live stream and uh yeah i gotta say it's pretty epic um and so amazing to watch but uh i really don't want to dive into my two cents from from far far away on the other side of the planet which i do have about two cents worth um that i'd like to say but otherwise um let's let's just cut to the chase if you've been following the show you know that uh we had an inside connection with our buddy Colleen, who we talked to on our Mystery Caller show, and she had helped out as our long-distance correspondent in South Africa. And once again, she has pulled through and uh, reported back to us from her experiences in Sydney, Australia, of seeing the Disintegration 30th Anniversary shows. She went to shows number three and four, I believe it was. And uh, I'm going to just cut to the chase and let her speak here. And then uh, we'll see what crosses over and what we still need to elaborate on. But, um, yeah, let's hear how it went through the eyes of Colleen. Hi again, this is Colleen, the one who recorded her thoughts a little bit ago on the Cure concerts in South Africa. I'm in Sydney now. I attended two concerts for Disintegration's 30th anniversary at the Sydney Opera House on Tuesday, May 27th and Wednesday, 28th. I've taken a little bit of time to collect my thoughts. thought I would try to do a quick recording while I'm in Sydney because I'm actually leaving very shortly for the airport. I'm not sure how good an idea this was, but I'm actually in the Royal Botanic Gardens. Um, I did my last recording for South Africa from the Botanical Gardens in Cape Town. Though it's really noisy here with all the birds and really windy, so I'm not sure how that's going to work out. I may have to re-record this. I just kind of wanted to record it while I was in Sydney, but here goes. So... I wanted to start this little contribution to the podcast 
talking about the intention that I set for myself before leaving for Australia. Disintegration is a really meditative, deep, soul-searching album for me. It has a beautiful flow, yet it still manages to have pop songs that were hits on their own. And for me, the trio of Prayers for Rain, Same Deep Water as You, and Disintegration are just a perfect flow of emotion and beauty. Over the years, my favorite Cure album has always been either Faith, 17 Seconds, or Disintegration. I go back and forth, I just love them all. But Disintegration holds a special place for me because of its timing in my life. As I mentioned in my previous contribution, I discovered The Cure during the Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me era, and I immediately got all I could of their back catalog, at least what was available to me in, in California in 1987-1988. In 1988, I was convinced that The Cure were no longer a band and would never make any more music. They were broken up and Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me was their last album and I had just missed out. This was before the internet, so it wasn't easy to know what a band was up to. I had no idea that they were in the studio making a masterpiece. Then one day I was listening to the radio and this song came on that really got my attention. And I thought, could it be? No. And then I heard Robert's voice come in at about 2 minutes 30, and I just jumped up, flew across my bedroom, and pressed the record button on my tape deck. I was just over the moon. I listened to that clip of the remaining 2 minutes and 30 seconds of Fascination Street constantly until the album was finally in the stores. I also bought the 12-inch um, of that single, which had the B-sides, Babel, and Out of Mine, and I love them to this day. And Prayer Tour was the first time I saw them live, so... Just this era has a lot of significance for me. So back to my intention. I wanted to be as present as I could. I just wanted to relax, soak it all in, let the music just wash over me. This was also out of respect to all the fans who could not get tickets. I wanted to appreciate in the moment how lucky I am to attend this show. How special it is to see them in a 2,000 seat venue with amazing acoustics. How amazing it is to hear a set list made for die-hard Cure fans. And as part of this, I tried to avoid reading reviews or watching videos that were posted online from the Friday and Saturday shows. Of course, since I didn't completely shun social media, I got some snippets of information. I also gave some thought to videoing during the concert. I'm a little old school and I have mixed feelings about videoing on smartphones during the show. I remember the days when they confiscated camera equipment and people did all kinds of things to sneak them in. I saw the request from the Sydney Opera House and Robert Smith not to video during the show and I decided to give it a try. I did sneak a few pictures just for the memory, but it seemed like everybody else was doing the same. You would see a few phones pop up here and there, but not the sea of screens you usually get. And I have to say, it was really nice. So again, I have mixed feelings on this. We all want to share everything, um, but when like everybody's trying to record to potentially share, it just it loses the moment a little bit. So I just want to reiterate how special these shows are and how special it was to get tickets. I was really, really lucky. And I'm also really lucky that at this point in my life I can manage to make the trip to Australia from the U.S. I got two seats in the center of the 10th row for Monday and in the center of the 8th row for Tuesday. I have to say, seeing them in such a small venue is really a dream come true. By the time I discovered the band, they were already playing large arenas. I never thought this would be possible. The two nights that I saw, they opened with a short set of B-sides and rarities. The B-sides, man, never in a million years did I think I would hear Fear of Ghosts, Babble, Too Late, Out of Mind Live. That was just really amazing for me. 
Then they did the full album in order, and it was just majestic. Then they came on for a quick encore with Burn, Three Imaginary Boys, and Pirate Ships. For the first night, as I mentioned, I had two tickets. And since I was there by myself, I sold it to a guy named Patrick, who I met through Facebook. Patrick really made my night. He's been a fan since his British boarding school days when he first heard of Forest, and he was just so grateful to get a ticket. Thank you, Patrick, for your enthusiasm and gratitude. It just made my night. And I'm sorry that I'm such a slow drinker and you had to drink so many beers to keep in sync with me. <laughs> the crowd was pretty mellow and sat for most of the show, and I was actually okay with that, which surprised me. I'm going to be standing for a lot of general admission concerts and festivals this summer, and I kind of just liked sitting there, rocking in my seat, singing the words, and letting the music just wash over me. I really love this lineup. Robert sounds so strong. Reeves, Robert, and Simon really gel on stage. It's just really wonderful to see them interact and, you know, as Simon runs across um, the stage to share some words with Reeves or just, they have like these little mini, I don't know what, I'm not a musician, so I don't know what they're doing, but they have these little mini jam sessions where they get really close and they and they play together, each looking very intently at their instruments. I just love it. And you know, being in such a small venue, you can see all these details. You can tell that Robert feels like every word he's saying, even though he's sung them a million times. The expressions he makes, the hand gestures, it makes it all so vivid, which is the name of the festival, by the way, uh, here in Sydney. My favorite part of the night was after the funky, sort of upbeat Fascination Street, the deep dive into despair with prayers for rain, same deep water as you, and disintegration. I was in the moment for every second of those songs. It was just beautiful. Uh, then in the encore, I'll just relate a little funny moment that happened. Roger was kind of, he was kind of off there for most of the show with his, you know, at his keyboards. He's not as mobile as the others. So I didn't see him really interacting a lot with the rest of the band members, but during Three Imaginary Boys, kind of stood off to the side, out of the spotlight in the shadows. Just looked really sad because he didn't have an instrument to play. But then when the, the music picked up again, he stepped back into the limelight, brought out his tambourine and started to play <laughs> his tambourine along with the music. But it was kind of funny. I don't know why I find it funny, but I, I like these small moments. The mic was placed on his keyboard was placed too close and he hit it with the tambourine and it was definitely audible to the audience if they were paying attention. And he just looked over at Robert like, oops, and just started laughing. And so, I don't know, I just enjoy those small moments. You know, you realize they're real people and they're having fun up there and it's just really nice to observe. Now, for the second night. And here's where I'm going to deviate from my intention for a bit. To anyone who went to any of the shows, is not a serious Cure fan, not familiar with disintegration, or only knows Love Cats and Friday I'm in Love, or expected to hear the pop songs, I'm going to say it right now, you stole your ticket. And this is really hard for me to say, but I just want to say fuck you to those people. You ripped somebody off. Now this is very out of character for me. I'm not generally an angry person, and any negative energy I have is usually directed towards myself. But I'm really angry that people desperate for tickets, and not just people from abroad, people from Sydney, local people here couldn't get tickets, missed out because 
others got some sort of like tourism promoting freebie ticket. And I'm really sorry that the cure were pawns in this. I sat next to a couple on the second night who got their tickets for free from work. And these were good tickets. Eighth row, directly in front of Robert Smith. I had uh, bought a poster and I put it on the floor. So I was trying to be friendly and make chit chat and I asked the woman if she would remind me not to forget it after the show. She said that they were probably leaving early because they had read the reviews. I felt like daggers were coming out of my eyes. And you know, she explained that they're not really fans and they got the tickets for free. I was at a loss for words. I took a deep breath and tried to be diplomatic and explain that this is a really important show for Cure fans and that there are thousands of people who would have loved to make this show and that the people who wrote the reviews don't understand what this means. I wanted to just go off, but I held myself back because I have to sit next to these people for the rest of the show. And I'm trying to stay present. <laughs> I tried to make some chit chat with her. Um, this is before the band came out. And she was, she's like, they were late and she was upset that they were late and then asking how long they're gonna play. And I think we'll probably be 10.30. And she's like, oh, I have to get up really early for work and I have a yoga class at 5.45. I was just like, fuck off. Why are you here? And I continued to try, that was me internally. I tried to continue to explain how significant this is. And she said she'd never heard the album. She didn't know the album, Disintegration. And then I tried to explain a little backstory that uh, they first played the, the album for record execs. They said it was career suicide. And she interrupted me and said, oh, so they never released this? I was dumbfounded. How can you think that this album was not released, their most successful to date album, and you're here sitting in these awesome seats and there are thousands of people who couldn't be there. So, yeah. Um, so then I decided to talk to the lady on my other side since the cure was a little bit late and she was a really nice fan. It was cool. Her husband saw them at Trinity College in Ireland in 1981, which was pretty cool. That said, the crowd on Tuesday was way more, um, way more into it. Almost everybody stood up for the whole show. The response for, I guess, the pre-encore and the post-show encore was really strong. But I really had to constantly remind myself to practice mindfulness and let go of the fact, clearly I haven't let go of it, but I'm still trying, that the people next to me did not understand the opportunity they were given. I would find myself distracted by it, and then I would notice my distraction and then try to bring myself back to the music. And it was actually quite powerful, and I'll say it brought a new perspective to the experience. They left after same deep water as you. They couldn't even stay for disintegration. But you know what? I just scooched over to their completely center seats right in front of Robert Smith, tried to stay present, for the rest of the show, but it was it was a constant battle. I had set this intention for myself and it was almost ruined. I, I don't know why I let myself get to that spot, but I'm glad that I had, I was able to realize that I was kind of in that place and try to appreciate you know, where I was and what I was experiencing and that this was something I've been dreaming about for 30 years, basically, since I first saw them in 1989 on the prayer tour. So that said, I think these concerts were just absolutely amazing.
there may be some critics out there and non-fans who don't understand, but that wasn't the point of the concert. And I really hope that the band knows how much this means to fans and how important it is to do these little one-off things. Um, it means so much to us. And I think they get it. I mean, one of the things I love seeing the band up there, especially Robert, is just how genuinely appreciative he looks. You know, he takes this time to walk across the stage, look at everybody in the audience, hold his heart. It's just really wonderful. And, and I know it doesn't come from a place of ego. He's not that type of guy. I think he can't believe that this is his life. And he's worked so hard for this, you know, and is just compelled to make beautiful music and to have people also love it so much. Back is really amazing. And I think he feels that too. And I think... If I'll end it, end this by saying, again, my intention was really to be in the present, in the moment for this beautiful, flowy album. And though I had some distractions, it forced me to practice that. And I think Robert was in the moment too. It was just so beautiful to watch. I hope they do it again. <laughs> this may be just a one-off thing. I'll definitely try to make it if they do. And so that's it for me. I have to run off to the airport, and hopefully the wind and birds weren't too loud in this recording. You'll probably hear more from me. I'm going on a big Euro trip. I should call it the Curo trip. If there's interest, I'll try to post some things from my um, adventures in Europe. I'm going to see the Curo seven times, including Malahide in Ireland, um, and the rest are festivals. Um, so I don't have super high hopes for that, but I'm really excited about the Malahide one in Ireland. All right, signing off, running off to the airport. Talk to you soon. All right, thanks so much, Colleen. It was so great to hear your perspective firsthand. And uh, wow, so much to say, so much to touch on. Um, and we'll have a little bit more from Colleen here at the end of the episode. But um, yeah, just to touch on what you said, first off, of course, no worries on the sound in the botanical gardens. It was great to hear all those crazy exotic Australian birds contributing to the uh, review as well. And um, I did have the privilege of going to Australia twice in my life so far. We got friends, really good friends out there. And uh, one of the two times we, we stopped in Sydney and uh, got to wander around the gardens there right outside the opera house. And uh, it's so beautiful there. I loved it. And uh, even just the plants totally look like some kind of Star Wars sci-fi plants. You know, you would, wouldn't imagine they'd be that crazy different looking, but everything just is so like cool and looks like something out of a sci-fi movie. But um. So yeah, it adds to the lo-fi indie nature, right, of this podcast. So uh, no worries on the sound there. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, I'm glad it was a great experience for her and everybody out there. It sounds like it was uh, just an amazing show and for sure. And, um, you know, pretty cool. Going back to the start of what you talked about with the uh, limited phone access. I'm with Colleen on this one. We're, um, I'm, I'm also torn on it because it is like super annoying when you're at shows and everyone's like just becomes a national geographic photographer or something you know where everyone's like filming the whole damn thing especially now with the live streams and stuff for facebook and and instagram and stuff where you're filming entire shows with your phone you know and it's just like come on man just put it down so i'm not watching your screen while watching the band or something you know but uh but 
the torn factor being that when I'm not at the show, those are awesome to watch people's things. So when they are sharing it, it is pretty cool. And just to see all the little things here and there. So hopefully it was all done just right with the occasional snapped photo here and there and the occasional song. So I don't know what the answer is either. So I can't, can't pretend to be all high and mighty and anti phones at shows, but cause I appreciate it when I'm not there, but, uh, I'm glad it all seemed to work out and it did seem to uh, limit it and make it a little more intimate for everybody that was there, um, despite the fact we didn't get quite as many photos online and stuff from everybody. But uh, yeah, and um, that first night sounded pretty magical for Colleen and uh, I'm sure many others. Uh, and and the whole set list and the bonus encore is uh, just a dream come true. I mean, just the, to imagine those songs ever being played live so like you know how everybody always makes their crazy wish list of like cure songs and like man can you imagine if they played fear of ghost that would just be like all anybody would talk about if that one song was planted into a set you know so it's pretty cool that it would be a whole encore set of those kinds of songs so pretty amazing i'm so sorry about night two with those people even though i'm sure it didn't by any means ruin the evening but it is so annoying when something like that just gets in your brain and and it does just take a little something away you know and those people good god i'd like to think they were the absolute worst people in the venue <laughs> unfortunately for colleen having them seated right next to her but uh i don't know there was probably a few others around i'm sure but uh but it's just ridiculous that idea that you know you just get the free ticket and at least have the courtesy to lie and pretend you're a diehard fan when you're at something like that you know like if I got like uh, let's see what would be a good example if I got through my work amazing tickets to see what's a band I well she didn't even kind of like them she didn't even know Disintegration came out so that would be like me going to um. See, like the 20th anniversary of uh, Dishwalla playing. <laughs> and uh, I was like, sure, I'll be there. And um, yeah, so uh, I don't know, man. I would at least feel so out of place being at a show like that, that if I was sitting next to a diehard fan, I would probably be like, yeah, man, can't wait. Boy, I hope they play some rare stuff, you know? <laughs> and And then I would just be like, pretend I got a really important phone call and had to leave or something early, you know, but maybe that's just the kind of person I am versus the kind of person they were. They didn't give a fuck about anything apparently. Um, but yeah, good Lord. If you don't even know disintegration came out, that, that kind of ruins the whole point. And like you said, it was pretty much a slap in the face to all of us. And I include myself cause I was one of those people that couldn't get a ticket. Probably wouldn't have been able to make it, but I was going to try, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it sucks, but, um, I'm sorry. That's, that's the way it rolls, but, uh, at least you had the two nights to pair off of it too. So if that would have been your one and only night there, that would have really been a bummer, but, uh, yeah. So, um, on top of that, let's see, maybe I do have some thoughts cause speaking of the live stream that came out a little later, the fifth show fifth and final show was the live stream that came on um it was at 6 a.m here in the eastern u.s time and uh i lucked out that day i was been trying to get some subbing work in here as the school year's ending um you know substitute teacher so i gotta grab them when i can and they call in the morning sometimes if you can't book it in advance and uh 
And uh, I was waiting. I was like, oh, man, maybe I'll get to watch a few songs, but then have to head out to work. Um, but luckily, since it's the end of the year, it's a little hit or miss at this time of year, and uh, nobody called. So I was able to watch uh, the first, you know, and it was cool that they started with the encore of the rarities first. So as I was getting my little guy ready for his school day, eating our Cheerios and uh, watching Delirious Night and all these crazy B-sides, Fear of Ghost, Out of Mind, and uh, he was digging it. It was great. He was he was thinking that was a great way to start the day, too. Unfortunately, after that, you know, it's like, how could the day get any better? So I really just wanted to uh, call it a day at 8 o'clock when it was all over. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was so cool. I mean, it just won a great batch of songs. And, I mean, it's just that idea that pretty much all those, it's guaranteed, will never pop up again. Maybe too late, you know, or maybe they, they enjoyed them so much now that they will sprinkle a few in for the festivals and stuff. But, Definitely can't imagine like No Heart and Esten and stuff like that popping up ever in a set again. Um, so that's something really special for those that were there in particular. And uh, how cool is that? You know, I mean, these are and perfectly executed too. They were no like from what I could tell, at least on the live stream one, it wasn't like they fumbled through it and were like, hey, whatever, you know, it's it's uh, you know out of mind, <laughs> you know, and then they would just giggle through it or anything but they seemed really tight and and uh i was impressed by too late too because i remember from the 2016 tour too late sounded amazing but i think on a couple of the like bootlegs i was able to track down because they only did it really a handful of times throughout the 2016 tour but um a couple of them it was, you know it sounded great because it was too late but it was uh, a little like flubby or he would just kind of stumble on the lyrics a bit more um, but this one sounded really fine-tuned um, from the clips that I saw of earlier shows and definitely on the live stream one. They nailed it. And, uh, wow, what a great song. That one just really really gets better, and you see it in something like that, and you really appreciate what an amazing, great, poppy song. Still wouldn't have fit on Disintegration if you're trying to think of any kind of revised why wasn't this on the actual album. That would have been really weird on Disintegration. But, uh, you know, just... It would have been great on Wish or something too, but I don't know. But uh, it, it's just such a great pop song that would be like so many other bands' best song they ever wrote in their whole catalog. So uh, I just thought it was a little more fine-tuned on this one. It sounded great. And um, the actual set, of course, it's hard to say if any huge standouts. I thought that even just playing Disintegration sounded great on that live stream. Um, uh, all the songs, really. Uh, it's hard to pick one. I, I think Homesick was cool because he played the little keyboard part on it there, Reeves. And uh, it was kind of cool just watching Reeves in particular through the live stream because, you know, we've seen pretty much all these other guys nail this album in some form or another throughout the years, you know. But uh, you hadn't really seen Reeves just kind of do disintegration, you know. And, um, it wasn't anything drastically different, but there's definitely some signature touches. Um, I felt like Prayers for Rain had like a little bit of a, a Reeves touch to the tones and the guitar tones, almost to the point where I'm kind of like, what at first? And then like, it only takes like about a minute before I realize how awesome it is. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And it's a little different. So that's awesome. And um, yeah, so stuff like that. And uh, this little, like I mentioned, the rock and roll induction thing. It was pretty cool when Reeves puts in like the almost like little harmonic parts on Love Song uh, in between the, 
the phrasing on on the verses. So pretty cool. Um, so I, yeah, I really just enjoyed watching Reeves kind of cut loose on the whole thing and uh, felt like I f- saw a few people say that Homesick in particular did seem like the passion level was turned up a notch on that one. Um, but, you know, Untitled, Song Disintegration, I mean, they're all great. Everything sounded amazing, so it was so cool just to see them nail it. And, yeah, and The Cure's always perfect for that when they're playing live. They don't really just play the album, you know, where it's, oh, it sounds just like the record. It's like it doesn't, you know. It always sounds a little different, but it's not like they're changing it, doing the, the slow version of Fascination Street. Or, you know what I mean? They never change it up, but at the same time, it doesn't sound exactly how it always does. And I think that's what is one of the many factors making The Cure – the greatest live band in the world but anyway <laughs> we'll stay away from bold statements but you guys are with me right anyway uh watching the whole thing too i felt it was like a basically a two hour long commercial for how fucking amazing the fender bass six is uh that thing is just brilliant and to see it and it's full glory all through the the album of disintegration is very cool um you know it's kind of a no-brainer to cure fans that that's all over that album but uh same time you kind of forget i mean it's basically on robert played it on every song except for three maybe not counting the the encore songs and the bonus ones um but actual disintegration proper i think uh there's only like three songs where he played his regular uh six you know, uh, his regular electric. And for the other one, he was using that national guitar that he normally always consistently uses for love song, but it's a weird guitar. Um, very curious to try one of those. Um, but no Schecter for Robert over this whole show, which was a little unusual. Uh, Simon was still using his bass. Um, but yeah, uh, so it was the national guitar, the, uh, bass six fender, and um, the 12-string ovation was back. So, uh, yeah, it felt like he had changed that up even, but I uh, was using the old classic ovation 12-string and uh, even got me convinced enough to dig out my old regular 6-string ovation and restring it and have that back in the lineup. So, so I got that back up, even though he makes them sound good. I'm not a fan of ovations, but um, it was my first acoustic guitar, so... So a lot of sentimental value and you know if Robert says it's cool then it's cool enough for me Alright, so to bounce back for an even cooler perspective, an episode within an episode, Colleen made it home safe and uh watched the live stream and has a cool perspective in the sense of somebody that was at the live show and then saw the live stream and how it compared and things that she noticed so once again colleen delivers let's bounce back to her and see uh see what she's got hi there again this is a quick little epilogue to my sydney piece this time from the quiet of indoors I'm really sorry about the noise in the previous recording. That was a really bad idea. The problem was I didn't manage to record it before I needed to check out of my hotel. And I really wanted to record while I was still in the Sydney mode and not exhausted from a 14-hour flight. That's how it turned out. So after I got back to California, I stayed up. My sleep was really off. 
and I caught the live stream at 3 a.m. and I'm so glad that I did. It gave me another chance to watch the show with this intention that I had set and I just loved seeing all the close-up shots of them playing their instruments. I loved all the details you could see like, oh, Robert still wears his earring or oh look, Reeves is playing keyboards. I thought it was really well done and I have to say that watching the live stream was almost as powerful as seeing them live. It could have been because I was watching it. I knew they were playing in Sydney at the same time that I was watching it. Um, I think that had some power to it. Um, but I just really love that the band and Sydney Opera House put it out there for the world to enjoy. And then I saw the outpouring of excitement from fans on social media and it just absolutely confirmed for me how special these shows are for fans. And it pretty much relieved me of all that negativity that I had after the second show that I saw. I'm just so happy for everyone that they're able to experience this show. And it also helped me a little bit to reflect on why I was so upset after night two. There's a little part of me that's looking for a cure community. And, you know, years ago, I had this a little bit when I was in junior high and high school. But, you know, that was a really long time and I'm a completely different person now. You know, most people I know know that I have this passion. But just think about it as like a quirk of my personality. And I, I don't really get to share it with anyone. And as a result, it's become a really personal passion. And as a result of that, when I see what I interpret as disrespect to the band, I take it really personally. I do have other passions in my life, and I have communities to share them with, but unfortunately not this one. And so when I saw the outpouring of love during and after the live stream, I felt like there was a community and that I was part of it. And that was really meaningful for me. And as I sign off, I just want to say that the part of the live stream that meant the most to me was when Robert said, I'm sticking to my guns with it. I'm not going to do the hits. Although they're all hits in their own way in some alternate universe. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Robert and the rest of the band. Thank you, you get us, and it means so much. Alright, thanks again, Colleen. That's awesome and, and so appreciated. And uh, yeah, uh, more great perspective. And uh, really cool to hear it from you, though. So, like I said, somebody that had been at the show, um, you know, as much as I enjoyed the live stream, I was a little bit like, well, I bet this is nothing compared to really being there. So, it's cool to know that it is in its own way, um, its own special thing. And so many people were able to be a part of it. You know, when they announced the live stream thing, I was a little bit like, whatever, and a little even kind of like, oh, well, that's hardly a compromise for not doing these shows in the U.S. and brr, brr, kind of thing, you know. But, um, you know, as soon as I started watching that with my kid in the morning, you know, I was like, this is really special and really cool. And just knowing that it was happening in real time and, uh, you know, so many people all around the world were able or watching it and able to watch it and, and, uh, and really kind of sharing in the glory too. And it was really cool. And like you said, by not playing the hits and turning it into a greatest hits thing at the end was even cooler. Um, that little bonus encore, I didn't really get the mention, but that in particular was kind of cool cause it did a break away a bit but he's still stuck to like burn like which everybody loves and three imaginary boys, which is like 
such a, a cure classic, you know, and then uh, wrapping it up with pirate ships, which we even joked about, I think, way back when we first heard about these Australian shows. And we're like, what, are they going to close with pirate ships? <laughs> and uh, and they did, and it sounds fucking great. Like, I don't know if it's just caught up in the moment or what, but uh, I felt like that live performance was way better of pirate ships than the recording and um, just really emotional and just cool as hell to see it up close and hear the full band just playing it and uh i don't know the dude can't go wrong with something like this he knows and uh you know and something i didn't even touch on too not to bring any negative vibe back into it but the guardian review that everyone got up in arms about rightfully so um was just such a poorly written uh thing and you know like it wasn't that anyone was talking trash about the performance or disintegration it was just the guy didn't know you know and it was just like the fact that he's questioning the importance of disintegration, it's not even like, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like my friends all goof on me because I don't like Led Zeppelin, you know, and it's just a taste thing. I just don't like Led Zeppelin. And, uh, I, but I never would try to take away from their significance in any sense. Obviously it's not up to me to validate Led Zeppelin the same way this guy, if he's not into disintegration, that's fucking fine, you know, but like, don't act like, you know, there's something other people aren't getting or, you know what I mean? Like there's any ability. Obviously it's a big deal. You sell up five nights at the Sydney opera house. The album's a big fucking deal, whether you get it or not, you know? And it's, and that whole article was just kind of reviewed that way. Like clearly with the encore, the guy was not getting it. You know, he didn't catch how important that was to fans to capture all those minute little details of songs that weren't even songs were being played, you know, all from disintegration. That was the full disintegration experience. Um, it wasn't about, you know, all right, now let's round it out with, with, you know, 12 of our biggest hits and doing the rock and roll induction set list, you know, and it's like, come on, man. It's such a cool gesture from the band to do that for the fans, you know, and then, you know, they could have very easily would have just walked off the stage after disintegration even. And that would have been it. And that would have been fine. But, you know, the cure always goes that extra mile for their fans, it seems like. And they uh, really know that we're going to nerd out on it. <laughs> you know, So uh, it's cool to know that, that they they appreciate that and are aware that the fans are that crazy about it. But, um, yeah, as far as the community, Colleen, by all means... The little outlet we have here, you're always welcomed, and you share with all of us. I know a couple of people have written me and want to hang out with you in Europe, so uh, hopefully we can get everybody together, and um, you know, you guys can't all share in these experiences. Uh, that's why I'm really looking forward to the uh, new album tour. Hopefully it would be so great to cross paths with, with a lot of you guys out there in real life and uh, get to share a bit more, but if not, we got this outlet and we got the, the social medias for what it's worth out there. And, um, yeah. So anyone out there, we're moving onward. All right. By the time this post, I think the next day I'm trying to get this out on Friday at a weird time slot, just because next day is Malahide in Dublin, the castle gig. So, uh, Colleen will be back in the thick of it. So, uh, I can't wait to, uh, hear how, how that all goes and um, it's bound to be pretty amazing so and, and and for anyone out there as these festival gigs are popping up definitely feel free to contact us and, and you know if you're up for anything like you heard Colleen just give your your thoughts on what happened exactly however long or short we can always 
uh, put it in there and uh, get it out to the people there because I know I love hearing about it and I'm, I just hope other people do too. And um, so yeah, by all means, open door policy. Anybody out there wants to record anything, feel free to uh, send it my way. You can send it directly to me at gavinconnor at gmail.com. And um, yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. I know I, I just heard from a guy that uh, plays in a Cure tribute band too. They're going to head out to the Glasgow gig and uh, offer it up to record some stuff. So that'd be cool. Chris out there um, who also, you know, plays in a cool tribute band out in L.A., which I think there's a couple out there now. I believe The Cursed is one. And um, and this new one, he says their their name is The Obscured L.A. So, I mean, the fact that there's two and probably more um, big old – I know that other tribute band I saw ages ago was – uh, somewhere in California. I don't know if it was LA home base, but I'm, I'm assuming that's where they're at too. But, uh, but yeah, so the obscured, check them out. They have a Facebook page and they have some clips on there. They're playing a show, uh, Molly Malone's on Fairfax in LA, 10 PM on June 22nd. So if you're in the LA area in June and not off in Europe, seeing uh, the cure, I think you should go check out this uh, Cure Tribute Band. Be pretty rad. Um, so once again, that's June 22nd at Molly Malone's in, on Fairfax in L.A., the the obscured L.A. sector. I believe there's other obscured tribute Cure bands throughout the world, but this is L.A.'s own. So go check them out. They sound really cool. Um, they have some clips on their Facebook page, so go check it out there. And if you're in L.A. or anywhere around there, I highly recommend it, June 22nd, and hopefully we'll hear from those guys in, in, from Glasgow when they go there, and uh, like I said, anybody out there, feel free to send anything. In the meantime, we're going to keep trucking along. We have some episodes on the horizon, so keep your eyes peeled. Um, Charlotte Sometimes, anybody has a thought on that, feel free to send us that. We're just doing a one-off Charlotte Sometimes. We got 413 Dream Part 2. Uh, we're going to crank out the episode before too long, and uh, we want to do a second part episode where we get your thoughts. So it's not just us dudes rattling on about 413 Dream. We want to hear your perspective, even just a quick little review. You don't have to do the full track by track, but just give us your thoughts on 413 Dream and uh, where it falls and your love for the cure. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's on the horizon. We got a couple other ones we're still working on too. So no shortage of content here. We'll be at episode 200 before you know it. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled to the Facebook page or Instagram at the Holy Hour Podcast on there. And if you don't know what to wear to one of these festival gigs, I recommend going on over to 17secondsshirts.bigcartel.com. Chaz is cranking out original Cure designs. Um, very cool, affordable, comfortable as hell, and look amazing. So go check out what's available over there for pre-order and pick yourself up a cool-ass disintegration-themed shirt fitting into the year of disintegration. And uh, keep an eye on his 17 underscore seconds Instagram too for uh, any upcoming shirt ideas. So I'm going to wrap this up now. Thanks again to Colleen. You are awesome. And uh, keep safe on all these travels. And I hope they keep continuing to be good. And I hope no more dinguses sit next to you. And um, 
and uh, don't don't let it get you down if they do. Um, so uh, thanks so much again. Hope everything worked out with your work situation, Colleen, before the big exit. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. And everybody out there, go listen to some Cure. Go put on Disintegration one more time, one more time. Then we gotta give this fucking thing a rest, all right? Because we're all we're all gonna be in trouble if we listen to this much Disintegration. So uh, move onward. Festival times around the around the corner. Go put on some greatest hits to warm up, and we'll talk to you soon. Talk hard. I will sleep. Too.